For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome back. It is the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Pats 3-5 and five, getting ready for the Ravens. Ravens who gave the Pats their first loss last year. Patriots went into that game at 8-0. Ravens playing well, but maybe not as well as we expected them to play at the beginning of the year. They come in at 6-2. and two. The podcast is always brought to you by our friends. At Bet Online. Bet Online is the only place in the internet universe you need to be placing your game action over, under, prop bet, game spreads, in game betting, mobile betting, website betting. They got all kinds of betting. BetOnline.ag is the place that you need to go. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at WDEV Radio Brady. You can follow Doug Flutie, our co host on Twitter, at Doug Flutie, the CFL Hall of Famer, the Heisman Trophy winner, and the former Patriots quarterback. Aaron Wells is our producer. You can find him on uh, on Twitter as well. Aaron, let's get to the podcast. What you're about to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now it's your host, me, Brady Farkas, and Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and former Patriots quarterback, Doug Flutie. All right, welcome back in. Believe in Patriots podcast, getting ready for Pats and Ravens. Pats are three and five. Brady Farkas, Aaron Wells, our producer, and Doug Flutie with us. I feel like that intro is so arrogant where it's me saying it's me, Brady Farkas, and Doug Flutie. But funny story, I sent that off to a professional service to get done, and the guy is like, yeah, I don't do the voice. I only make the production and the music. So I then had to do it myself, and it uh, it feels arrogant, but that's what we got. That's fine with me. We're good. <laughs> um, Aaron, I'm going to bring you in, Doug. Aaron's got a little bit of a delay, so give him a second to to say his piece here. But he did more research on what we were talking about last week, is or last episode rather, as far as your passing in the '80s and those non and those four games that went to a touchdown list for the Patriots. Actually, five, three of which you played. Aaron has dug deeper heading into this episode. He's got some more answers on that. Aaron, go ahead. Oh no. So it was funny because I was looking at it and. In your three games, you guys attempted 47 passes. Uh, no touchdowns, but one of those games was actually your fourth best game in yards per attempt. So it wasn't actually a bad passing game. You just didn't score. Uh, the last two games, they attempted 66 passes, uh, still through no touchdowns, and uh, through four interceptions. Thank you. <laughs> look, at the one, look at the one loss records that season when the starting quarterback. <laughs> so that's what matters there. So. What mattered, what mattered was I was a free agent signing, and one the other guy was a first round draft pick. So yeah. he it, it was exactly like the Rob. It was exactly like the Rob Johnson thing in Buffalo. You learned the business of football very oh, early, my. and you learned it late. Yeah, so. Uh, 47 passes in three games for you, 66 in two games without you, but four interceptions. So let the record show that the 88 Patriots were better with Doug Flutie under center, 
And um, it, in there, more conservative. Came down to, one more bit on it. We came down to if we beat Denver in Denver, we go to the playoffs. And Denver had won two games all year long. Yeah. And uh, we lost. <laughs> you know, the there was so – there was so much meat I left on the bones from the last podcast. I want to start with this. We always do this makes me want to drink at the end of the Tuesday podcast. I'm starting this podcast with it here as we release this on Friday because I got to get this off my chest. I've been sitting on it for days, Aaron. Give me that this makes me want to drink. The weekend is over. I thought it was time to stop drinking. I'm kind of deep. Yeah. Thank God I'm exhausted. Oh, but this makes me want to drink. I just can't. I need a drink. Give me a drink. All right. Two things make me want to get hammered after watching the Patriots on Monday night. Can Gunnar Olszewski stop bringing the ball out of the end zone on kickoff returns? I mean, my God. Like, Dion in his prime, Dante Hall in his prime, that's all cool. Gunnar Olszewski is not them. Like, if you just kneel on the ball in the end zone, you get the ball at the 25. He wants to bring it out. They end up at the 17. You're going to get lit up. You're going to fumble. You're going to get a block in the back. You're going to start even further back. What is, like, for someone as maniacal about details as Belichick, why is he not? Why is he allowing him to bring the ball out? Like, just get it at the 25 and let's move on. You're preaching to the converted on that one. I agree with you a hundred percent. And even in my playing days, I just wanted. I just wanted a fair catch on a punt and no penalty. Don't back us up any further. Don't risk anything on the kickoff. If you're in it, down it. We Because more than anything, is you're going to get the penalty that backs you up. Yes. And it, it happens all the time, especially this day and age with the kickers with the strong legs and they can pop it up. They can do everything. Just if you're in the end zone, take it, take it at the 25, no doubt. Well, and now that they've made it so – they, they want more touchbacks, right? Like That's part of the goal Absolutely. is they want more touchbacks so they can keep the game safer. The, the kicking team is now starting from a closer starting point. They're getting down there quicker. So if you're taking it from four yards deep in the end zone, they're on you by like the 14-yard line. Like there's almost zero – like almost nothing good can happen at this point from taking a kick out of four yards deep in the end zone. Gunnar Olszewski needs to learn that. Well, you can't you can't do the wedge stuff anymore. You can't block to certain ways. You can't do so. It's so difficult. Yes, he needs to learn that. Just hey, path of least resistance. Know when your journey is over. Less is more. Blah 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 blah. Everybody thinks they're going to be the hero and take this thing 108 yards, and it's just not going. Now the game at the end of the game, a guy misses a field goal and you catch it in the end of the end zone. Yeah. Uh, who? Oh, that happened. <laughs> I was wondering where that came from. The the Clemson Notre Dame game at the yeah. end of the half, Notre Dame tried a really long field goal and it was almost returned for a touchdown. Wow. Um but that's not other, what we're talking about. No, that's fine. It's just I I've been sitting on that for days and I, I just I'm so infuriated whenever he does that. He does it all the time. The other thing that infuriated me is the Patriots had a fourth and one and they ran a read option with James White. Like, at what point did James White become this team's best short yardage back? Harris runs hard. Burkhead runs hard. James White, scat back, screen pass. Where in that job description is short yardage fourth and one back? Yeah, I don't remember what the play or two preceding it were. Sometimes, you know, if a guy broke a run, sometimes a guy's tired. He hit four times in a row. He got banged. He, he just brings himself out. And they sub in, but... 
Um, yeah, I thought the same exact thing when it happened. That was James White on, on third and short, and you're in the gun, and you're running the zone read. Um, I don't know if he miss. I don't think he misread the zone read. You texted me there was a missed there, block. Yeah, you I think he missed the block. I think there was a missed block on it, and um, it just got blown up in the backfield. It, well, they didn't even get close to the line of scrimmage. That that fascinates me too. Unless the court, if the quarterback is running the ball and going north and south. From a shotgun, I can kind of understand. But, you know, if it's third and one, get under center and Cam's quarterback sneaks it, he's getting two, three yards per sneak. Um, if you're handing the ball off back there, you're bringing it back five, seven yards. So you're, I don't, I don't, two quarterback sneaks in a row, go for it on fourth down, you know you're going to get at least a yard and two consecutive sneaks. Yeah, it was four. It was fourth and one. They do this, and they turned it over right before the end of the half. It was fourth and one at the thirty-nine yard line of the Jets. They turned it over, and if I'm remembering correctly, the Jets might have gone on and thrown that deep touchdown to score right before the half and go up twenty to ten. So it was bad on all levels. And I, I think James White, by the way, is the most affected player by not having Tom Brady because when he was there, like when Brady was there, James White would catch sixty passes a year. Bingo. And James White now is like two carries, no yards, two catches, 10 yards. Like that's his line now. The pass game is not the same pass game. The pass game with Tom Brady was matchups. My tailback on a linebacker, my tight end on a strong safety or linebacker, my athletic tight end, you know, that spread that shift the tailback out wide and run real routes with them on somebody in space, running hitch routes, hitching ghosts. Glance at well, uh, skinny post, whatever you want. Yeah. To, I would call it a glance. Um, short, whatever it is. That's where J- James coming out of the backfield running option routes. It was so efficient. And Tom would look for his matchup and gain that matchup. This is a completely different passing game right now. That the, the efficient part, the part that's been efficient has been uh, the underneath stuff on movement or play action. And, um, it's the short passing game with James White or the, the matchups that he can get. That's his forte. That's his strength is that he is a running back. But you know what? He runs routes and he has hands like a receiver. I love Rex Burkhead, though. Rex Burkhead has long been my favorite Patriot. I love Burkhead's play. He's the perfect hybrid back. He can hit the hole hard up the middle. He's got enough speed to run laterally, and he can catch out of the backfield. Like He is the do-it-all back to me. I, I just feel so confident when he's in there that positive yards, it's going to be positive yards. And the, the, the touchdown, there was penetration. And he yeah. just did this, he, he, he twisted his body just a little sideways off to the right. And like, like that defender wasn't even there. And he made himself skinny, quote, skinny to get through and hit the line of scrimmage hard and going north-south, gets in the end zone. Yeah, I, I like what he brings. He's always going forward. He's always – you know, and he's been around enough that he's not going to misread something. He's not going to miss miss the hole if it's there. He's not going to get fancy with it and miss the hole. Um, and then the fact that, yes, he can still do the screen game and other things in the pass game. It's not just a short yardage type of back. He, I agree. He's very versatile. He's, he's reliable. He's a guy that you know is going to get positive yards. We usually do a full preview of the Patriots opponent here on this Friday episode. We're bagging that just for the degree of here's the preview. The Ravens are better, the Ravens are favored, and the Ravens should blow the Patriots out. It doesn't mean they won't, or it doesn't mean they will, but they should. So I'm going to ask so you we one. Got them right where we want them, right? Exactly. Okay. I'm going to ask you one Ravens question. 
Lamar Jackson's not playing as well this year as he did a year ago. Last year, he's the unanimous MVP. This year, he's a little bit figured out. When you've been figured out to a degree, what's the next step for you as a quarterback? When did you feel like, whether it was in the NFL or in Canada, when did you feel like, okay, the book is out on Doug Flutie. I need to evolve now. Yeah, you have to. Teams are going to make you win doing the things that you struggle with. They're going to try to take away your forte, whatever it was. For me, those early years when we weren't throwing the ball a lot, we'd hand it off. I'd run the naked bootlegs, hit the crosser, eight-yard game, that type of stuff. Um, throwing the ball from the pocket, reading coverage, getting in the right pass protections, all that stuff. These young guys, and Lamar being one of them, that came in, he's so athletic. He mm-hmm. my, Athletic like a Michael Vick was where – Michael Vick was the first quarterback that could actually just run around and beat people. You yep. can't do that in the NFL. You can get away with it for a while. You can run the zone. Re- and the Mars athleticism is crazy. And he was accurate with the ball. But you're still going to have to, to get to where you want, to win Super Bowls and beat teams in the playoffs. And once they start figuring you out, you're going to need to read the fronts, adjust your protections, pick things up, Know when you're hot, know when you're not, and stand there in the pocket and deliver the ball. You have to be able to do that because there are times in a game where teams are going to force you to do that. Uh, Belichick's thing for me became I'm bringing five guys. I'm going to keep them in the pocket. I'm going to push the rush. I'm going to get in his face because of my height and make him throw out of a well over people's heads from out of the pocket. Um, I was efficient enough to still do halfway. I wasn't great at that. But at least I could do it. Um, if if you're in a position where you can all of a sudden contain Lamar, I, it's almost impossible because of his athleticism. And keep him in there and make him beat you from the pocket. That's the challenge. We always hear the terms containment and setting the edge. And like I, I think fans know what that means, right? They don't want to allow. They like want to force everything back to the inside, right? You don't want to allow the guy to get to the sideline. Is the plan for someone like Lamar Jackson like to not blitz him? Because if you blitz him and let him get up and the lineman goes past him, then he's just going to blow by you, and all of a sudden there he is 40 yards. Do you almost not blitz him? You just say, look, we'll rush four. We won't let you get outside of us, and we'll let you stand back there, bounce around, and we're going to re- rely on you now to read coverage and read the field. Can you do that? I think if you rush four with Lamar, he's still going to hold on the ball as long as he wants. I think you need to bring a fifth guy. Um Bill Belichick's favorite phrase is the worst place to be for a defensive end is behind the quarterback. Never go upfield past the quarterback. You're defending the wrong goal line. Um, And then the quarterback sets up. He's got passing lanes. He's got alleys to run. With a four-man rush, yes, you're making him read things out. But even if you're not great at that, you can buy time and move and slide. And and he's so athletic that you still – I think three-man rush is the most ridiculous thing in the world when you're facing an athletic quarterback because he could hold on the ball all day. Four-man, he's still going to buy time, move, and get a – I think you bring a fifth guy as, as often as possible. You can't do it all the time. But as often as possible, you bring five, you push the pocket, you, you keep the edge on the outside and make him go backwards, not laterally or up through. And – uh, it becomes more difficult. And, and all of a sudden, he's going to have to hit things in rhythm, on time, throw those rhythm routes. Now, five-man rush leaves one zone uncovered, and there's windows. There's windows that deliver the ball, 
And, you know, as the years go on, he'll get better and better and better at that. That's, you know, that's where you need to improve to stick around and be a superstar for a long time. If he improves at that aspect of the game, he's, he's going to be an all pro for a long time. Patriots are three and five. A lot of talk about them quote tanking or that they should tank. Um, And you know what? Because I'm a Patriots fan, I can't bring myself to root for them to lose. Like, I want them to win. If I'm going to watch, I want them to win. Jacksonville, I can sit there and say, you know what, it's best for them to lose, but I'm not a Jaguars fan. So I can say that, but I can't bring myself to do it for the Patriots. You as a former player, if someone suggests that the organization should tank, what are you thinking as a player? You may get punched. Yeah. yeah. You saw it last night in the booth. when I, Is it Levy that's a play-by-play on yeah. Monday night? Yeah. Okay. He brought up, uh, you know, should the front office start thinking about tanking for the and Brian Greasy right away jumped up. You know, you don't, it's ridiculous. You're out there fighting your tail off every play you're fighting for, if you're not in the hunt, you're in the hunt for a job. You're still, this is your livelihood. This is who you are. This is your character. You're on every time you walk on the film, you are on tape, you are on film and, it's an insult to a player to even bring that up. Uh, If management is even considering it, the only way they could do that is cut guys, bring in guys off the street and just put guys that aren't very good out there and get beat because it's not going to happen. And it kills now baseball In baseball. They get to a point in the season where they unload these contracts and, you know, at the bottom of barrel, we unload contracts with, but those minor leaguers that they add to the roster at the end of the year are playing for their next year's livelihood. They aren't tanking. You know, I don't believe ever that players would tank. And I don't even believe the team has tanked, right? But I will ask you this. It does seem a bit suspicious to me that all of these guys now are on IR or they're not bringing certain guys back. Sony Michelle could have played yesterday. He was eligible to return. They didn't bring him back. Julian Edelman gets knee surgery, might knock him out a while. Stephon Gilmore is not playing. I can't help. Of course, I think these guys are actually hurt, but I can't help but wonder if this team was five and three, would some of these guys be playing? And of course, the players who are out there are trying, but I do wonder if some guys are being held back because it's not worth going after. With the, with the record, what it was, you know, before this win, um, you're careful with those guys. There's no doubt. You're careful with those guys. Plus, if you are in a position where you're out of the playoff hunt, you got to find out about your young players. You yep. give a backup quarterback a start late, you know, last game of the season. I mean, like Matt Castle, Matt, yep. my year. You know, meaningless game at the end of the year. We started Matt because Bill wanted to find out what he had in Matt. He thought he knew he needed to find out. So you've got these young guys that have a chance to show themselves and earn a shot for next year. That happens, like I said, with minor league ball players in the in the in baseball. But um, the franchise is not intentionally going to lose games ever, and that Did goes from top to bottom. Did you ever play on a team where you knew that the organization wasn't necessarily putting your team in the best position to be competitive, whether they're getting rid of guys or they're holding guys out a little longer, or this guy's not playing as much? Not that they're intentionally losing, 
but they're not going out of their way to help you win either. Did you ever notice no, that? Never. And I played for San Diego when we weren't very good. Yeah. Um, I, no, never. We, we started out like five and two, and then we, we got in a stretch of injuries, and we started losing. And, you know, nothing changed. You still think you're going to win. You still think, you're, oh, we're going to win the last five in a row, and maybe something good will happen. Maybe You know, it, that's just the mentality. And um, I've never seen it where you – and we talked about the trade thing a week or two ago. Um, the trading away players thing, I see that happen in baseball to save money. Yeah. I, I have never seen that in football, and maybe I've been detached a little bit from some of that end of it, the, you know, the way front offices think now. But, um, you know, that's it, it becomes dangerous. You got a franchise, you got a franchise quarterback, and you want to check out a new young left tackle, you know, yeah. you know, I, I that, that's dangerous. I want to ask you about the baseball comparison because if I'm a baseball fan and my team's out of it, they shipped guys off. I got young prospects to watch, right? I want to see the young prospects, see what we got. This guy's a top prospect. We got this guy in a trade. That still keeps me invested as a fan. And then also the guys who are there, they're going to start working on stuff. I'm going to kind of watch them work through things. In the NFL, given how physical the game is, some guys aren't at practice some days, some guys are taking practice lighter. Do you really get better during the season or are you just kind of maintaining your level like whatever you are that year is what you are you don't really get better and get to work on things until the next offseason like if i'm a fan and my team is bad how much better are my guys really getting the the challenge for football is trying to stay healthy through a year so you are as good at the end of the year as you are early middle and the the quest to keep maintain your strength to be able to work hard in a weight room on a Monday and Tuesday. Those are big challenges. Those it's very difficult to stay. No one come week 15 is healthy is a hundred percent. No one yeah. as a player. I mean, especially once you hit the age of 30, um, that it gets tough. It gets tough to, you still, and I, you know, I always go back to Tom, Tom Brady would, you'd still see him working on drops, target shooting in the net after practice. Um, you you work on different things. Most of the work that does come into play is game plan work. We put in these new plays, staying after practice with a couple of guys. They, I didn't like the way that went in practice. The new route we're running, we got to get out of the break quicker. We got to take we got to cut that down a couple of yards. It's, it's taking too long. Whatever it is, those are the type of things you're working on at that point in the season. It's mostly game plan stuff, not your physical skill stuff. I got three things I want to get you out of here on. Um, this one a little bit longer. I, Jacoby Myers to me has a role on this team. You know, twelve catches, one hundred sixty-nine yards on Monday night. He had he had eight catches for first downs. He shouldn't have to be the number one receiver on this team. They should go and upgrade things in the offseason and make a move, sign a guy, draft a guy, whatever. Harry should be healthy. Maybe Edelman's back. But I am ready to say that when Edelman ultimately retires, Jacoby Myers can become my new slot guy. Like, former quarterback, knows timing. Aaron tells me, you know, he's a former wide receiver. He says his route running looks effortless. Jacoby Myers is on my team. He shouldn't be my number one guy, but he's on my team. I tell you what, you know, last night was a great resume. I mean, he he stepped up, you know, in a, in a team that struggled in the past game, struggled with receivers – creating separation down the field and, and doing anything. I, it's, it was really good to see. It's someone that they can lean on right now. Hopefully 
I, I keep kind of keep my fingers crossed for Harry to turn into the guy that he could be. Yeah. Um, Edelman, you're going to get what you can out of Julian. It's going to be tough for him to be healthy for a 16-game season. It's it's just tough. Um, so yeah, there's you know there's a good chance that that he becomes that guy. Myers worked last year in the preseason with Stidham. He looked great with Stidham in the preseason. He works now with Cam. Clearly, Myers is a receiver that can work. Tom Brady didn't want to work with him last year. Did you, as a veteran, did you not like working with young players? Because I can clearly see Brady doesn't want to teach guys football. He wants ready-made players to go win Super Bowls. Did you feel that way? You want, when you're on the field, you want trust. You want to know the guy's coming out of his break at six yards, not six and a half. He's coming out of his break at 12 yards, not 10, um, because the ball's gone. You, you read, especially in the slot, you're reading a lot of um, option routes where you're reading zone versus man, leverage of the defender. Is he going to break away from the defender? Is he going to hook away from the defender? I have to anticipate that. Look, it's a zone coverage. Defender's on his outside shoulder. I'm throwing this. He's hooking. I'm putting it on his inside shoulder. You know what? All of a sudden he broke, and the ball hits the defensive back in the chest. And you need to be able to trust. And you build that trust by practice through training camp, practice week in and week out. Um, when you get to that point, then you're trusting the guy on the field. Now, Tom and Julian have been around a long time together. He trusts every, you know, they see the same, you read the body language. That's why it gets hard when you make a change. No, that's, I've worked with young players. Yeah, I've had young guys, I've, I switched teams too. I switched teams a bunch. I had guys coming in and out, especially in Canada. I had guys coming out in and out in the middle of the year. But um, I try not to put them in positions that they're reading. They're not They're not going to be my option route runner for sure. They're yeah. going to be the go route, the seam route, the post, the crosser on the, that stays on the move. Um, you know, that's for the guy that just came in the camp this week and we picked up on waivers or something. He's, you know, Antonio Brown last week. Antonio is not going to come into that slot and run an option out for me last week. He's going to be outside running the seam post or a crosser or something where I know where he's going to be. You know, it was interesting you mentioned that. That was one of the other things I wanted to get to. So Dan Orlovsky, former quarterback, he's on ESPN now. I think he's really, really smart. Second smartest quarterback after you that does media. Um, He was hammering the Bucs in their game plan. And he said the Bucs are basically running the same game plan every week. And – what Brady excelled at in New England was changing up the game plan every single week and making it game specific. My question is, obviously teams have things that they do well. Teams have an identity. At what point do you just go with my identity or do you go with a game-specific game plan? Because like, okay, I run the football well, but you can't stop the pass. So at what point am I saying, hey, my strength is the run, but your weakness is the pass, so how am I handling that dynamic? Yeah. Um... I was a guy that loved hanging his hat on these six to eight plays. These are our core plays, These in the past game especially. This is what we do well. This is what I, I do well. We're very efficient in this. We're going to live and die with these plays. But every week, you eye that defense and say, they're giving us this, they're giving us that. we got to do a wrinkle off your core stuff and take advantage of what they do. We have to give them a wrinkle. It's got to look like the same thing we do every week. But So Tom comes from a background, and Bill and Tom and Josh McDaniels 
did this every they game planned every week they changed more in their offense every week than most offenses do in the nfl there's no doubt to that i liked a little bit of change i like leaning on my core stuff and a little bit of change i can see in bruce arians that he liked to run the ball run play action and go down the field tom that's not what well, tom does that tom's very good at just about everything when tom needs to score and you got to go length of the field Put Tom in shotgun, spread the field out, and do the quick passing game all the way down the field, and you'll walk that thing down the field. I, yeah. I guarantee it. when he's comfortable with his guys. Um, so I think there's got to be some give and take over there of what Tom does exceptionally well and stay with it. I think Antonio Brown will bring another dimension to that offense. My last question. I got a lot of grief for this on my radio show. We talked about it a couple of weeks. Yeah, we talked of course. Totally. Um, I said a couple weeks ago on this podcast, and you agreed, you like Daniel Jones for the Giants. And yeah. I said that if the I said on the radio show, if the Giants ever want to move off Daniel Jones, if they're bad enough to draft Justin Fields, I would take Daniel Jones on the Patriots. I said that on the radio show. Daniel Jones is a turnover machine right now. He's turned it over in twenty of his twenty-one of his twenty-two starts. He's got like thirty-six turnovers in his career in twenty-two games or whatever. He is reckless with the football. Can you coach that out of somebody? Because we always say he needs to make better decisions. Can you? Is that? Can you coach that out of somebody? Yeah, you can. You can't scare a quarterback into taking risks, though. You, you just can't because then he becomes uh, the game manager that hands the ball off, throws it away, completes fifty-five percent, sixty percent of his passes, and uh, scores ten points. You've yeah. got to be able to be aggressive. You've got to be smart. He does. He. <laughs> Again, I use the phrase, learn when your journey is over. Learn when the play is dead. Yes. When, that's his, his, his turnovers come because he's fighting to try to continue to make a play, and he still tries to make that throw and, and make the play rather than throwing it over the guy's head out of bounds. It's incomplete and we're punting. I hated to punt as much as the next guy, and I had more than my share of those kind of interceptions. Um, that can be co- that part can be coached out of him. If a quarterback's dropping back, making bad reads, and throwing the ball to the wrong guy, and it ends up being picked or tapped in the air, and you're throwing into the rolled corner and throwing into a bracketed receiver and those kind of interceptions, that's that's just not a smart quarterback. I think this type of stuff can. I think what happens is, especially when you get behind in games, you feel that pressure that you have to make something happen. And I can go back to a number of instances where I turn the ball over because it's like, I got to, we have to score in this drive. I have to make, and that's where you get in trouble when you, especially once you get behind and you're trying because we've been three and out three possessions, the Patriots, the other three and out the first three possessions, that fourth possession, you're down by two scores or something. And you feel, I got to make a play and it's third and eight. And you decide to stick it in that window. Guys hanging on you and you're falling away and you're like, screw it. I got to, you know, that's, that can be coached. That part, it's got to stop. I think this is a good spot to end on. I want to tell you a quick story, Doug. Bob Sosi, Patriots broadcaster, comes on my radio show every single Tuesday. And I know he knows you through your through his work and your work with the Flutie Foundation for Autism. And I asked him the other day, finally, I said, look, you've known Doug. Do you got any dirt on him for me? Give me something that, that I can use against him on the podcast. And he said, he goes, because of Doug's work with autism, he's such a good guy in that community. 
I got no dirt for him, and it wouldn't be my place to give it if I did. He's too good a guy for and too influential in the battle uh, and awareness of autism for me to do that. So Bob Sosi won't give me any dirt, so you remain. I have nothing to give on you. You're too perfect, so uh, I'll continue to search around for it. Stop it. Stop the search. Stop it now. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, that, obviously, our foundation is very important to us, and uh, it's been a part of our lives for over 20, what, 22 years now. Wow. And uh, we've raised like $25 million for autism. And um, it's been a big part. And we look at it as our son, Dougie's legacy. And, and you know, he's helping all these other kids. It's, it's pretty cool to see. And wow. um, proud to be a part of it. Well, Bob Sosi, very proud to be a part of it as well. Proud to, uh, to help you. And also very, just very grateful he conveyed for the work that you have done and kind of put in your face to that cause. Um, he said, without you, the cause never would have gotten the uh, the amount of recognition that it has. So uh, that's a good place to end. Patriots and Ravens, I don't know. Right now I would say the Ravens are going to win this game, and I would say they're going to win it by like 13. Uh, hopefully I'll change my mind on social media the next couple of days, but I'll say the Ravens win by 13. They're going to cover the spread, whatever it ends up as of now as we're taping. So Aaron Wells, our producer, Doug Flutie, as always on Twitter, at Doug Flutie. I'm Brady Farkas, and until next week, go Pats. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.